All right, well, we're here with Scott Matthews, who runs uh, Wisebury in Riles Hill and um, Wisebury in Borkham Hills. Uh, welcome, Scott. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you. I, I wanted to really ask you a few questions, mainly because I think that I, in my entire life I've never seen anyone as um, resilient as you. So people don't realise it, but over the last few years you've gone through tremendous amount of um, issues probably in your professional life. Now we don't have to really go into the, the details of it, but I just want to ask you, what is it that you do to uh, push maybe some of those issues that would probably get someone else to crumble and you simply push them aside? Uh, I think probably the most important thing for me is to keep focused on what I'm trying to achieve. Keep focused on the the positive of where I'm going in my life. We all have challenges in our lives. Um, doesn't matter who we are, what they are. Some of us have monumental challenges with diseases or or whatever. But for me, it's just a matter of staying focused on what I'm trying to achieve. Um, yeah, but everyone says that, right? Everyone says I stay focused, I do this, <laughs> but really doing it is a very different thing. When I I've heard about some of your challenges. I, I tell you, I probably wouldn't sleep at night if that happened to me. So how do you, do you ever get down from those challenges? Let's, let's start there first. Do you, does that hit you or, or you don't have empathy towards challenges? <laughs> no, I, I believe I have empathy towards challenges. I think, you know, if, if something hits me, the, the first moment it hits me, I've learnt, um, I suppose, skill sets to handle them. So if there's a really big challenge, the first thing I'll say to myself is, you know, what's great about this? Um, a lot of the time, the answer might be nothing. Yep. That immediate answer will come back nothing or, you know, well, how could there be anything great about this? This is disastrous. It's like, okay, well, what could be great about this? Or what lesson could I learn from this? Um, and, and try and immediately take my focus off the challenge at hand and just start to look at what's good about it. Once I do that, it's, it's a matter of, okay, now I'm, my, my state's changed. Now I just need to go back and address it. But address it in small things. Don't try and keep looking at all of the, the challenge as a whole, yeah. but break it down, if possible, into smaller bite-size um, things to deal with. Yeah. And then you just start dealing with them one at a time. And I think the biggest thing is once you deal with one of those little things, it's a win. Yeah, you start from a small success. Right? And, and then that small success makes you feel a little bit better and you go, you know what, I can actually do this. I can get over this. We can make this happen. Yeah. So ju just start again. What if when you ask, so that you have the two questions. First is what's good about this? Yep. What's great uh, about this? I try and use the power of my language a little bit yeah. better than what's good about it. It's, yeah. you know, it's what's great about this. Okay. I mean, you know, what's most, fantastic about this? Most people will, will do the same thing as uh, as me, which is like nothing great about this shit. How, yep. how can you see some good shit about this? So. You go to the second question, which is what could be yeah, great what, about this. What but what if we, we, what if we still want to say nothing? nothing. Yeah. Then uh, you know, I start to ask myself the third question, which is, well, what lesson am I going to learn from this? Well, never to do that again. Um, to make sure that I am proactive rather than reactive right. next time round. Um, you know, it's, in everything that happens in our life, there's always going to be a lesson. Doesn't matter what it is. There's always that lesson to be learned. And it's a matter of looking for it. Because if you don't look at it and you focus on the problem, you just keep getting more and more and more of that problem. But if you start to change your focus and start to focus on what could be good about it or what could be great about it or 
you know, what is the lesson in here? What is the lesson that you can't learn at university? What's the lesson that you couldn't learn at school that nobody ever tells you about or teaches you about, but this is actually very important for you to know? Okay. So what if people say, well, there's no lesson in this? I mean, no lessons worth me even remembering. Do you have a fourth question? Not really. I mean, I think for me there, it just comes down to there's always a lesson. I've just got to look for it. So if I can't find that lesson, it's like it's got to be there somewhere. I just need to look harder. Mm. Um, and I, I tend not to move on from that space until I find even the smallest of lesson. Once I've found that small lesson, I go, okay, what else? And then you find that little bit bigger lesson and you just keep going from there. So your key is always to start from a, a very minute step. Oh, absolutely. A, a small success and then build things from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to start because if you start going for the big, it's like when you're at school and you're doing high jump and they don't come along and put the bar at two metres five and say jump over it. Everybody would look at it and go, not possible, not interested, walk away. They start off lower and they come up a little bit and a little bit and they let you jump that. And then once you've got that and you've got that confidence, you go up a little bit more and you've got that confidence and you just keep going little bit by little bit. And it's a similar sort of thing. You find the little win, once you've got that, that confidence starts to grow and you go, oh, I can do this. And then you get that next one and you start to get more and more and more confident in yourself. All right, now that we've done the James Bond trick, which is start the uh, movie with full action, let's go back to <laughs> the, the, the beginning. So you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your story in real estate? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I started in real estate probably some 24, 25, maybe even 26 years ago. I can't remember exactly. It's been a while. Um, a friend of mine at the time turned around and said he thought it'd be great in real estate. So I thought, yep, I'm going to give this real estate thing a try. So I decided that I was going to get a job in the Hills area working in real estate. Didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. So I started knocking on real estate agents' doors and asking anybody if they were looking for somebody. I think I pretty much knocked on every door from Parramatta to Windsor three times before somebody eventually decided, we'll give you a go. And uh, the guy at the time said, look, I can't afford to put you on full time, so I'll give you a couple of days a week and we'll take it from there. Right. And that's pretty much how I started. Wow. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your success? Um, yeah, okay, sure. So I started, I started there and he, he put me on two days a week. Obviously that wasn't going to be the way I started. So I, in my first week I worked seven days. I probably worked about 12 to 14 hours every day. And in the first week I think I listed two houses and sold one. Okay, so but he he was only paying you for two days. For two days, and and he was only paying you for nine to five kind of work. Correct. Yeah. And you you gave him seven days, probably twelve, 12 to fourteen, 14 hours. hours. Yep. Didn't no. matter. This was my career. This is my success. Um, I I ended up getting a set of tapes off somebody. I can't remember who gave them to me, but uh, in this particular set of tapes, they turned around. And they said, "You can go and work for the boss, but you may as well remember that you've got a little business now called Me Inc. Me Incorporated." It doesn't matter who you work for in real estate, you're always going to be working for yourself. Mm. And so, can you tell us or share with us like some of your success? Yeah, um, okay, so... Like your best year, like how, how many houses would you sell? To be perfectly honest with you, I couldn't remember. Oh, um, right. I, don't, I don't keep tally of the number of houses I sell or the amount of money I make. 
I just keep I, trying I, I just, to be better every single year. Yeah. I just don't want our, our listeners to, to listen to a dude who's only selling one or two houses a year and then says that he's a real estate agent, you know. Uh, I know what you made up, but these listeners want, may, may want to hear it from you. Look, I'd probably sell in excess of 60 houses a year. Right. Um, my best year, uh, I did over a million dollars in the early days um, in gross commission in one year. Um, uh, these days, I, I, I wouldn't get out of bed for the base salary that they, they pay. That's yep. not who I am. It's, you know, I've, I've got to make sure that I am performing to the best of my ability. Um, but look, you know, for me, it's put service first, money takes care of the ser- itself. Look after your clients, look after the people, and it just keeps capping. Yeah, I mean, we've just gone through a very tough patch, a rough patch uh, in real estate, and you still just making lit, making sales and getting listings out of nowhere. How do you do that? I mean, don't, don't you know that maybe the market's slowed down for everyone, including you? Look, the markets change all the time. Um, to me, there's always been two types of real estate. One is where you bring the buyers up to meet your vendors' ridiculous expectations. That's called a boom. Right. The other one is where you bring the vendors down to meet whatever the buyer's prepared to pay. That's real estate. So we're just back to normal everyday real estate. Um, you get what you focus on. If you start focusing on the negativity in the news or you know, all your friends and, and, and peers telling you how hard it is or tough it is out there, it's not gonna be too long before you start to believe it. If you believe that this is just the norm, this is real estate, this is you know where the sorts out the men from the boys, you just get in there, you do the work, you stay focused, um, the results are gonna come. You know, yeah. you, you just you stay focused on what you're trying to achieve and you'll win it every time. Just for people to get a bit of a picture, this is September 2019. I know that you've made seven sales personally. So what, what are we talking about in terms of fees? Uh, We're sitting at about I think 365,000 for the month. Okay, just, that's just by yourself, right? Correct. Uh, so a lot of people will sit down and say, hold on, he can't be working in the same country as me. He can't be working in the same town or, uh, well, you know, he's in the hills of, in, uh, in, in my suburbs. It's totally different. Um, what would you tell them? Um, the, the, the market is the same. Yes, certainly there's, there's market changes and market forces, but I have seen people start up real estate offices in a recession. As the market's going down, they kick in a new business. They know no different, and they turn that business into a thriving success. It, it comes down on what you believe yourself and what you focus on. If you believe it's gonna to be tough out there, it's gonna to be tough out there. You know, perception is reality. That's like Henry Ford once said, think you can, think you can't, either way you're right. Mm-hmm. So you have four children, I know. Um a, I new, do. a newborn uh, just lately. Uh, it took a while, but finally a boy. Absolutely, <laughs> finally. <laughs> so, so, do you spend less time with the family in order to get these results happening? I've got to say, um, we were just speaking about it uh, before we came on air here. I actually, this month, have spent more time with my family and more time doing the things that I'm, I love yep. and I'm passionate about than I ever have. And still in, ended up achieving great results. Yeah, so, so, so tell us, like, what, what is it, do you have uh, Scott time? I do, I have my own personal time, which I like to do certain things just to... So what, do you, you spend a certain amount of hours? Or do you have a day just for your own No, time? I just have, I have Tuesday, and Tuesday's the day that I spend the morning, uh, well, 
probably about one, one o'clock, just doing my own thing, whatever I want to do, just, just doing that. And then in the afternoon, I get the girls and we go and do a family thing together. Right, so what is it that you do? What, what does Scott think? Well, my passion is flying. I, I absolutely love to fly. Right. So, you know, it's up there, it's, it's, there's no second chances. You've got to be focused. Um, flying what? helicopters. Uh, helicopters, yeah. Yeah, so my passion is flying helicopters. So for me, it's, um, you know, you don't get a second chance up there. You've got to make sure that you get it right. Um, no showing off. It's just, uh, you know, you, you've got to be grounded, centred, focused and diligent in everything that you're doing. I mean, I love listening to uh, the person you have become now, but a, a few months ago, there was um, a bit of troubles in your life, right? Absolutely. So how did, yep. you, how did you come out of this a, a better person? Um, like I said before, every experience is a learning experience. Um, I think for me, where I was going and what was happening and the way things were happening, I'd felt, felt like I had been beaten once too often. I felt like it was just, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you get kicked down, it's how many times you get back up. And I sort of got to a space where I was just focusing on the work, 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 trying to get out of the challenges that I was having and the challenges that had, you know, come up in front of me that I wasn't spending any more family time, quality time, and I just, you know, got to that space where I thought enough's enough. I'm better than this. This is not who I am as a person, and it's time to make the changes because nobody else is going to make them for me. Mm. And so, what was the first step? Um, you know, I can't. I don't know if I can put my finger on it specifically, but it was talking to friends. It was talking to family. It was talking to people who know me, um, and and getting some you know genuine feedback. It wasn't the the mate who turns around and says, oh, it's okay, you know, I'm on your side and I believe everything. It was the person who turned around and said, hang on a minute, let's wake up to yourself. You've got nobody else to blame but yourself. This is something that you, you know, regardless of, you know, what's happened, if you didn't check on certain things, it's your fault. You can't put blame on other people for not you not checking on what they were supposed to have done. So, you know, whilst you employ people to do things or you get people to do certain things, if it's not done, it's your responsibility to make sure that that's getting done. So I, I like what you're about to talk uh, about now uh, because it's about the two types of association we have. One is the association of making you feel good and the other one it's about uh, pushing the accountability on yourself. Yep. And what you're saying is that, that it took the, those type of people to really wake you up. But did you hate them when you're down? Don't you want someone who's going to make you feel better about yourself? Um, I think when you're down or frustrated or angry or feeling any of those sort of emotions, when you have somebody who comes along and just says, ah, it's, it's okay, mate, you know, yeah, it's really bad that this has happened and they really pity you or feel sorry for you, it gets pretty old pretty quickly. And when you have that person who comes along and says, hang on a minute, this is really what's happening. It's wake up time. It's, it's step up time. You start to say, well, hang on, is what they're saying true or is it not true? And then you stop and you think, well, hang on, maybe there's something there that is true. And then you start to ask yourself the question is, why are they saying this? And then you realise it's because they actually really care. 
it changes your focus on being upset or not up or happy with this particular person or people. It's a matter of, well, they actually do really care about me, so why else would they be saying this other than they want to help me? But that's a great ability you have, though, because sometimes I find um, I've been brought up the harsh way. And for me, it's always, it has always been looking for a, an opportunity to become better, uh, push yourself to deliver more. And so quite often when I have to give people advice, they go the opposite direction to you. They mm. say to themselves, why does he have to talk to me this harsh? Yeah. Why, why can't he just feel sorry for me for a second and, and help me out of this bad state I'm in? Yeah. And I listen to you now and I'm thinking, hey, this is music to my ears. This is someone who realized that, hey, if that person truly cares about you, you don't have to go to them for those, uh, what is it, uh, pat on the back just to make you feel a bit better. You, you just some, need someone who's going to give you that branch that's going to pull you out of that icy water, right? Yep, absolutely. And, you know, you're well aware of situations that have happened between you and I in the past. And, you know, there's, there's situations where I've had a conversation with you and, and other people and then and there... My state has changed. Then and there, I've felt like people don't care or I've become angry, frustrated, all the emotions that you might feel when you're doing this. And then we hang up the phone and all of a sudden I go, hang on, why was he doing that? Like, It's the power of your questions. Why did Thomas just say that? Why did Stephanie just say that? Hang on a minute. This person actually really loves and cares about me. One of those being my wife. Um, <laughs> then, you know, you step back and you say, well, if they care about me that much and they're actually telling me the cold hearth truth, maybe I need to actually stop and take a look at myself. So, you know, a couple of minutes later, you pick up the phone, you say, hey, listen, I understand that. And it's, you know, people get surprised at how quickly I can change my state. And it's, it's purely because of what I focus on. It's the power of the questions. I don't ask myself why questions. Why is this happening to me? Why did he say that? You know, it's like, okay, you know, what could this be about? You know, how can I come up with something better? So it really does come down to the power of your questions that you start asking yourself. Because I think, you know, as you know, we're all a supercomputer inside our head. If we start feeding in the right information and asking the right questions, we're going to get the right answers, not the wrong answers. Yeah. Some of the things that I keep on asking my wife about you is, is there such thing as a person being built like Scott, and that's why it doesn't matter what happens to them, they, they just rise. Or are they, have they been training themselves to into that state? I mean, have you always been that way? I can answer that question for you very quickly. No, nobody's born this way. Um, I've done a lot of reading, a lot of courses. Um, it's something that is trained. Um, I think, you know, if you... I've had times in my life where I've gone pretty low and when you go there and then you turn around and go, you know what, enough's enough. Never again. Not going to happen. Refuse to do sad. Refuse to do depression. Refuse, refuse to do those emotions that are not empowering to you Then you realise that it actually is something that we do. It's not something that we get. 
in my opinion, it's, it's something that you actually choose to do. So if people learn the resources to choose not to do certain things, like don't get me wrong, you, you, you're gonna feel emotions, but don't stay there forever. You know, realize what that emotion is, realize why you're feeling it, and you know, I mean, some of the books I've read, even even, you know, a little bit off center, like Tribal Wisdom. You know, every day when you wake up, you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. But at the end of the day, you'll never know which one it is. And and I stopped and I thought about that and I thought, how could, how can I get to the end of the day and not know whether I had a good day or a bad day? I mean, I can tell you straight away, I had a good day or a bad day. But then I thought back to a time where I broke up with a girl, or I should say a girl broke up with me, and I thought it was the worst day of my life. Now, when I got married years later, I realised that was actually the best day of my life because she made a decision that changed the Your course destiny. of my destiny. Yeah. And, you know, I did wake up that day thinking it was the worst day of my life. So I got to the end of the day and thought it was the worst day of my life, but in hindsight, it was actually one of the best days in my life. Yeah, but when you write there on that day, I mean, how... It's hard. You, yeah. Yep, it's hard. Um, back then, I didn't have the resources I have. Now, I have the resources and I call upon those resources every single time something challenging happens. Even when, and one of the best things for me is that when one of my friends or family or team members are going through that sort of situation and it's devastating news, like cancer, to be able to change their state instantly and help them to focus on what's important is, is so rewarding. Okay, so do you want do you want to take me through that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that we're going to have listeners. Yep. We're going to have listeners. I'm going to say, hold on. He, he, he just started on an issue and he, doesn't, he needs to elaborate on it. Okay, this. so one of my uh, team members came in to me one day and said, Scott, we need to have a talk. I've, I've got some bad news. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh-oh, she's about to leave me. And uh, good team member. And uh, we sat down and she turned around and said, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And I think she was expecting that reaction where I go, oh, you poor thing, and give her a hug. And I looked at her and I said, that's fantastic news. Congratulations. <laughs> well, you could see in her head, her eyes, fried, fried her brain. She had no idea what I was doing. She thought, you heartless bastard. You know, how can you say that? And she goes, what do you mean, congratulations? I said, how good is it that they found it now and not on your autopsy? Wow. <laughs> wow. The look from her face just said it all. And she goes, wow, you're right. I said, look, one of the things I always do, you know, what's great about this? How can you find anything great in this? I said, come on, there's got to be something good here. What else could it be? She said, well... We sat there and we thought for a little bit and she said, you know what? I read an article, one in eight people get it. That means seven of my friends aren't going to get it. Well, I don't know if I believe in those statistics, but that's great. That's really good. <laughs> you know? um, and, and she sat there and she came up with quite a few things that are actually good about it. The fact that they've diagnosed it early and that she can actually do something about it. Well, I can honestly and happily say that some four or five years later, she's fit and healthy as anything. So it was the best thing that ever happened to her, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, because a lot of people don't realise this, but um, my brother had leukaemia, so I, I know a little bit about cancer. Then also my, uh, a leader of mine in real estate had cancer. Un unless you really 
change your mindset very quickly and put all your resources on getting better, it's not going to get better. So yeah. quite a lot of time, people either believe the uh, prognostic that they get, which is uh, you got six months, and then they, they, they're counting the days. Yeah. And what they're doing is that they uh, almost creating some kind of placebo effect, you know, rather than just snap out and immediately put all the resources they have right now. Yeah. Onto the issue, right? Yep. And and you're great at doing this, and this is what I I love from, uh, from you. But you, I, I if people really knew what you've been going through over the last three years and how you just getting out of it, they they probably would only understand what what why I I picked you for this podcast here. But what would you tell people who? Now go through the uh, run-of-the-mill real estate, boring day, uh, trying to make ends meet and get commission in this market. What would you tell them? Um, find your passion. Find your find your driving uh, force. That's, find, that's, find your find that's your too way. Easy, man. More than one line. Sure. I mean, it's it's got to be about finding your reason for getting out of bed. I mean, you know, is it the love of a, of a wife? Is it the is it the love of a child? Is it you know, like, I've got to say, one of the biggest things I think now, having this conversation that really was also a defining point, where I realised I was going to change, was having another baby, having a one year old. Uh, he, sorry, he's now coming up to one, but a year ago it was when he was born, and for me. That was like, you know what? I can't make excuses anymore. I've, I've really got to get this together. Um, this is, you know, I've got to listen. Maybe these things that these people have been saying is correct. Um, and, and you know, somebody uh, once said to me that when you have a boy, it washes away everything that, um, <laughs> all the bad stuff that had just happened and we start again fresh. Well, you know, maybe that's, that's something to do with it. But all these thoughts and these things that people say to you go through your mind. And, you know, you put these little pieces together to realise that this is the direction that I want to take. And if you get a picture and you put it on the fridge of something you want, something you want to achieve, and that picture could just be your family. Um, you know, that picture could be a picture of your family on a holiday. It could be anything. Um, we tend to do more for others than we do for ourselves. But I think that if you've got that driving force, that every day, you know what, I've got to do something today that I don't want to do to ultimately get what I want, you will continue to move forward. Sometimes the steps are a little bit slower than other days. Mm -hmm. Some days you're, you're running, some days you're crawling. Mm -hmm. um, but you've just got to make sure that every single day you make something towards that attainment, even if it's the smallest thing. Yeah, I like, I like that small step. I really like it. I've read it before, but you know, somehow I never paid attention to that. But when you mean passion, it's bigger than goals, right? Absolutely. It's not, we're not talking about goals passion. We're talking about life passions. You know, is your life passion to contribute for others? Is it to, you know, uh, take care of a family member who's sick? I mean, is it, what, what is it that's driving you? What is it that's making you bounce out of bed every single morning? I mean, if you're not bouncing out of bed every day, can't wait to start the day, then you've got to start looking at why you're not. Because that's how everybody should be, in my opinion. Um, you've got to find that, that thing that drives you. I, mm. I call it passion, 
but that's just the words that I use. It's your, your ability to turn around and say, you know what, I want to spend more time with the family, therefore I'm going to work a little bit harder this week so I can take an extra day off to spend with the family. Mm. It's, it's whatever drives you. So the passion doesn't have to be necessarily in your work itself? No, not at all. Uh, a lot of the time the passion is not in the work itself. Um, a lot of the time it's, you know, do we work to live or do we live to work? Right. You know, so a lot of the time work is a vehicle to get you to where you want to be. The beautiful thing about our industry is that it's a job that, or a career or a passion that I have that I love just as much as anything else. You know, I, I enjoy doing what I do almost as much as I enjoy my flying or my spending time with my family. Right. And that's a struggle, is when you enjoy something that much, it's easy to get caught up in it and take you away from what is important, like your family. So would you say that it's a cop-out um, to say, I can't find a passion in this job, therefore I'm going to quit and do something else? Uh, absolutely it's a cop-out because, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, there's always going to be good days and bad days. It's, it happens with everything. Um, this is an industry where it can provide you with whatever you want. It's got flexible working hours, it's got good pay, it's got um, great people. And if you focus on what you're actually really doing in the industry, um, like taking care of people's biggest assets, moving people as opposed to just selling a house, you are affecting people's lives in a way that's probably second to none, apart from having a at the birth of a child or, or something like that. Um, where people live is, is very important to them and, and moving those people is very important. So when you realise how much you're helping these people in their lives, it's very, very rewarding. Mm. But still, I have to, I'm gonna have to ask, you don't have magic underpants because to be <laughs> that positive every single day, no matter what happens to you, there has to be something magic. No, no, there's no magic there. It's, it's, it's something that I choose to do. It's, okay. you know, do you have like a, uh, a ritual that you do in the morning? It's a routine that you do in the morning to get yourself up there? Or do you wake up and you're up no matter what? Like, oh, Look, sometimes, I'm, sometimes I work late. And uh, I've, I've got to be honest, this morning I had to sleep in. Um, you know, because you work late, you get tired, the hours catch up on you. Uh, sleep is a wonderful thing. We all need it. So, you know, people turn around and say, I survive off one or two hours sleep a night. I mean, crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. We need sleep. Our body needs to revive itself. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a sleep in and actually catching up on it. But for me, it's, it's you know, I get up in the morning and, well, obviously the first thing I do is now give my wife a hug and a kiss. But, um, you know, a, a lot of the time you get up in the morning, drop down do 20 push-ups. All of a sudden, you start to get the blood flowing in your body and it feels great. Um, I also focus on what I've got because I've read my diary from the night before so I know what's happening today. I'm like, great, okay, can't wait for this, can't wait for that, I'm going to get that listing, I'm going to get that sale, I'm meeting this person today. So I focus on all the positive things. There, there has to be days when you wake up and you go, I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, I can't remember one of those. <laughs> I honestly can't remember one of those. I mean, having, 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 um, having four kids, uh, one in particular who likes to wake up when the sun rises in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> we're up pretty early every morning. Yeah. Mm. But, um, you know, a lot of the times when the kids get out of bed, all four, all, th 
all three of them, one goes and picks up the fourth, but all four of them come and jump into bed with us and give us a bit of a wake up. So, you know, when you've got the whole family waking up together in the morning, it's pretty pretty good too. Yeah, I've seen your family, it's a bunch of energizer batteries. <laughs> can, can, can I just ask you now, maybe to end this, um, could you share with people maybe five tips for a great career in real estate? Yeah, so the five things that I would um, tell you is that in real estate, there are no secrets. It's only systems and habits. You get into the habit of doing the right thing over and over again. It's a little bit like martial arts. You've got to do the basics. And you do the basics until you perfect the basics. The second thing that I would say is train. Train yourself, right? Whether it be, um, you know, training in the rooms with a, a trainer, whether it's um, listening to tapes, whether it's reading books, constantly be growing your mind, learning more and more and more things. And you know what, it doesn't have to be about real estate all the time. Uh, a lot of the time I'll read books on finances or I'll re read books on um, self-motivation or I'll read books on, you know, uh, anything to do with life can always somehow come back to a person's situation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, body language, for example, read a book on body language. You can, you can read anything as long as it's helping you to grow. Mm -hmm. um, the third thing... Yeah, that's was third already, I think. Oh, that's third already? Okay, so the fourth thing then is to... What, was it was it the third thing? Training or read, do you say? <laughs> well, to me, training I forgot, is... Man, I forgot, That's okay. Training, to me, I mean, train your body. Train your mind, you know, train um, reading books, whether you're doing training, however you're doing it, you should always be growing, learning, growing yourself. Yeah. Um, look, guys, exercise is I think of paramount importance. You know, keep fit, healthy body, healthy mind. That's something I think is very, very important. Once you find that sort of passion, and, and getting fit isn't actually a goal or a dest, it's a way of life. It's something you just get up every day like you brush your teeth, you get in the habit of doing that. Um, yeah, but we, we need to tell the, our listeners, you, you, up until last year, I think, you've yeah. been doing the Tough Mudder every year, haven't it? Yeah, yep, yep, I've, I've done the, uh, not the tough mother, but the Spartan races. Oh yeah. Each year, um, I did the trifecta the year before I had the accident and broke my heel. Um, what is the trifecta? The trifecta is where you do all three in the one year. So you do the sprint, um, and you do the uh, the beast and the ultra all in the one year. Right. So um, that was a bit of an achievement. Um, the the other thing that I would say as a tip is learn to handle rejection. Realise it's not about you personally, it's just they're not in the right place to do something. But um, how, how do you do that when people, with people who've got maybe low self-esteem and, and they say to themselves, yeah, that's because man, you've got an empathy of a rock. That's why you can't even take it personally, but I do. I, I feel attacked every time that I get a no. What do you tell them? One of the, one of the uh, one of the wives of a lovely guy in uh, Campbelltown office wrote me a little piece of paper that just says, in in beautiful handwriting, next. And you know sometimes you will get that rejection. Sometimes you'll get people shut you down or they don't want to talk to you. That's okay. I'm here to help people. I'm here to find that gem, and I'll just keep going looking until I find it. Somebody out there needs my help or would like my help. They just don't know it yet and I'm just going to keep looking until I find them. You've actually, you've gone back to the passion. 
Yeah, funny that. The passion you were talking about how you get a kick out of helping finding that big dream or then that house, that, that yeah. next step. So instead of focusing on that rejection, which is personal, which is a bit selfish in, in some ways, you actually run it through your mind to refocus on that passion. Absolutely, I've got to help somebody. There's somebody out there who needs my help right now. I mean, I look at some of the results I've gotten over the years and you know, when you get those sort of results for people, whether it be financially or come up with a solution. I mean, I remember once selling a property for a guy who I sold the property for a lot less than what he was hoping to achieve. Yet he gave me the best testimonial ever because he said I came along with the right advice, the solution, and the outcome for him was actually better than what he was trying to achieve. And he was just dumbfounded. He was so happy about it. And for me, it wasn't about anything. Oh, like, sure, we need the commission to, to, to move forward and to feed the family and to, to live like anything else. But at the same time, that um, satisfaction that you get when you realise that you have profoundly changed somebody's life for the better, even in the smallest way, is so rewarding, it's not funny. And I just focus on that. And another thing you can do is if you find that you are having challenges, just stop for five minutes and think about all the wins you've had and let that feeling build up. And as soon as you realise, oh, I did that and I, I got that one across the line and that was almost impossible, but I made that happen. All of a sudden you go, this is easy, let's go, next. And you get on to the next one again. Mm. And the other thing, and the last thing I'll say is that put service first everything else takes care of itself. Just put the service back. Always look after the client and put their best interests before yours. Wow. Scott, I'm sure that there's going to be other subjects that I would want to uh, uh, bore your head with. But I, I, I will say that, man, this is probably my first podcast, but it's going to be uh, one to remember because I think if ever people could find someone like you, they will never have a down day for the rest of their life anymore. I appreciate your time today. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Lovely to Scott. talk to you, Thomas. Thanks, Thank you. mate. Thank you.